Thank you for joining us on the Hope Church LV podcast. We're excited you came across this message. You're joining us during a foundational series in the life of our church that we're calling This Is Hope. During this series, we're asking two questions. Who are we? And because of who we are, what do we do? If you're joining us here for the very first time, I wanna be the first to say welcome to Hope Church. Go ahead and open up the Hope Church LV app or visit hopechurchlv.com and click connect with us and fill out a short digital connection card. If you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast to help spread hope to the world. Once again, thanks for joining us today. Identity is the fact of being who or what a person is. This is Hope is an identity declaration of who we are and what we do. So, who are we? And what do we do? At Hope Church, we magnify Christ above everything. We experience life change in community. This is Hope. Well, good morning, Hope Church family. How are we feeling this morning? Amen, amen. Jeremiah chapter 29, if you have a copy of God's Word on your phone or physically, Jeremiah chapter 29, we are going to be there in just a moment. I want you to think about, as you turn there, I want you to think about where you grew up. Maybe it was here, maybe it wasn't, maybe it was where you were born, maybe it wasn't, but where did you grow up? I believe you can tell a lot about somebody with where they grew up. I'm specifically thinking about um, friends that I know that aren't even from the United States of America. A few months ago now, I guess, uh, I was at the guest services area and, and a guy came in and he was just so full of joy and so smiley. And I thought, this, this seems like a guy I wanna get to know a little bit. So I introduced myself and as soon as he spoke, I thought, whoa, you are not from around here. He had this beautiful, rich English accent. There's nothing like a good English accent. This is now my friend, Ed. He comes to our CrossFit gym at my house and he is an amazing guy. But we are learning that where you grew up also means you pick up things in your culture and sayings and, and euphemisms and things that like just don't make sense in the culture of Las Vegas, things that we're learning about England. But it's not even just the United States or other places in the world. There's, there's stuff from the South and stuff from the Midwest. And you know, as you hang out with people that aren't necessarily from where you from, you're from, you can learn a lot about people. I've shared many, many times, but I grew up right here in the Las Vegas Valley. How many people are in this service that grew up in the Las Vegas Valley? Raise your hand. <laughs> not a lot, <laughs> okay. That's what we know, right? They say Las Vegas is an incredibly transient city, even me. I was not born here. I was born in California and moved here when I was seven years old. It's, it's all I really remember. So I, I claim that I was raised in Las Vegas because it is my home. But there are a lot of people where Vegas is not necessarily home. I grew up here in Las Vegas, but more specifically, I grew up out in Henderson. Now, for those of you who know this area of Henderson, we affect, uh, affectionately call it Hendertucky, okay? 
Hendertucky is not Inspirata Henderson. I love Inspirata. I got a lot of friends there. Not Seven Hills or Green Valley. Like it's old school Henderson. Anybody from Hendertucky in the place today? You're like, I don't want to raise my hand. Be proud of it, people. We are from old Henderson. If you know, you know. I mean, it's called Hendertucky because it's kind of a different world out there. And we're proud to be from Hendertucky. I, I remember being a kid and, and literally like some of you seeing Las Vegas explode in growth seeing so much of even this area we're in right now didn't even exist, it was just desert. Seeing the skyline grow over a period of years and decades and um, I grew up as a sports kid and there was no professional sports here in Las Vegas and now praise God, there's some professional sports teams. We have the Vegas Golden Knights and you may or may not be big fans but we have a women's basketball team, amen. And not only do we have a women's basketball team in the Las Vegas Aces, they're the champs. They won the championship. And then, of course, we have the Las Vegas Raiders, even as a diehard Dallas Cowboys fan. The Raiders are in a different conference. I can root for them because the only time the Cowboys and the Raiders would play each other in any game of significance is the Super Bowl. And let's be real, that's not going to happen. So I can root for both of these teams. I love this city. Even as I say that, I don't know how that lands on you and how you might feel. But I love this city. Even a few weeks ago, my wife and I were able to take our son Bryce, who turned 13 years old. We, we went on a kind of an epic birthday trip. We took him to New York and Washington, D.C., and we played the tourism game and did all the museums and stuff. And when we flew back late one night, I remember flying into McCarran Airport, which, by the way, will always be McCarran Airport, okay? <laughs> I don't care what the sign says. It's McCarran Airport. And when you walk out the corridor and you hear the, the sound of slot machines, you know you're home, right? I told my wife, I said, listen, New York is awesome, DC was awesome, but like there is nothing like home, the city of Las Vegas. It is my home. And again, you may or may not feel that way, but here's where I wanna begin our conversation this morning. Even though some of you may not be from here, unless you're visiting from out of town this weekend only, Surprise, you're here. Whether it's for a short stint or it's for a very, very long time, unless you are visiting from out of town this weekend, we are all here. And specifically, if you would claim to be a Christ follower, it is important for us to see the city a certain way. I want us to ask a question as we begin our conversation this morning. Here it is. As a Jesus follower, what is your heart toward the city of Las Vegas? Don't answer out loud. Just want you to sit in that for just a moment. Whether you've been here for a month or you've been here born and raised, the select few born and raised, what is your heart towards the city of Las Vegas? What emotions rise up in you as you think about this city? And the story of Jesus there's a, a picture in Luke chapter 19 where Jesus is actually overlooking Jerusalem. And as Jesus is looking at the city, which by the way, this metropolitan city that had all kinds of problems, sin and issues and all sorts of things that we deal with here in this city. Jesus is overlooking the city that he would eventually be falsely accused and mocked and beaten and, and put on a cross for the sin of the world. And Jesus is looking over this city and the Bible says in Luke chapter 19, he begins to weep. 
He's overcome with emotion looking over this city. The reason is, the Bible tells us, is because he knew that that city was full of people that were like sheep without a shepherd. See, Jesus saw the city rightly. He saw all that God wanted to do in that city. And there were so many people that were resisting that movement of God. And so he wept. And so I don't know where you are today, but I'm praying and we have prayed and we've seen God move in the last two services that your heart towards the city of Las Vegas would begin to reflect a little bit of Jesus's heart as he looked over Jerusalem. So you're joining us in our third week of a a sermon series that we are very excited about. If you can't tell, we got bumper videos and stuff around our campus and we're really excited about this idea of this is hope, who we are and what we do. We've been saying and we will continue to say all six weeks of this series that we do not desire to get a bunch of people in a room spectating the activity of God nodding and being excited about it, but not actually getting involved in it. That is not the goal of our church. The goal of our church is to raise up an army of passionate Jesus followers, not spectating what God is doing, but actively participating in the movement of God in our city, in the West, and all around the world. This is who we are and what we do. Now, I'm glad a couple people clapped because remember, the we is you. It is not just a select few of elite Christians. If you are a follower of Jesus and this is your church home, this is what we're calling us all to be about. This is who we are and what we do. And we, we started the series with our foundation. We magnify Christ above everything. This is our hope and our, our only foundation because without this, none, nothing else that we're talking about in this series matters. So in every area, we're gonna lift high and exalt the name of Jesus. Last week, we looked at the, the, the reality that we experience life change in community. As amazing as this is, as right and awesome and necessary as this environment is, it is, it is not all that God has for you. So we're calling you to get involved in a smaller community. This is who we are and what we do. You can go back and listen to those messages from the last couple weeks. But no surprise, today our topic is very simply, we love our city. We love our city, the entertainment capital of the world, all over the world. It is known as Sin City. You know this, whether you've been here for five minutes or five decades, we are known. I've been to Thailand, and as soon as you say you're from Las Vegas, their eyes get wide. Like, wow, do you live in a hotel? It's like, no, I don't live in a hotel, right? This is our city. We love our city. And even as I say that, I just want to be mindful and call it out. I know there are many of you here that are saying, I don't love this city. I don't, somebody clap and praise God. (laughs) Buckle up, buckle up. There are some people that are here that are saying, yes, I love this city. Some people are just indifferent, like eh, whatever. And there are some people, and I just wanna be very sensitive. There are some people that are here that are saying, I'm here against my will. I don't know why I'm here. I feel like I'm a prisoner here. I don't know why God has brought me here, but I do not agree with that statement. And I am praying that over these few moments that God would change your heart. Specifically in Jeremiah chapter 29, we chose this text of scripture for a very specific reason. You see, in Jeremiah chapter 29, I wanna give you some context before we read it. It's written, as you might expect, by the prophet Jeremiah. 
And it's written to God's people who are in exile in the foreign land of Babylon. Some of you who are students of the word know this, but if you're new to scripture, what is an exile? Well, simply put, an exile is somebody who is in a place where they are not from. Maybe by force or by choice, many of you are exiles to the city of Las Vegas. And Jeremiah is writing to God's people who have been taken into captivity in the land of Babylon. See, history tells us that these Jewish people, these exiles had lost everything but their lives and maybe a few possessions taken into captivity. What we're about to read is not Jeremiah writing God's people on vacation. Hey, just remember as you're soaking in the sun there in Babylon, no, these are captives. They are against their will. They thought they were gonna be there for just a few years, but history would record these people were in captivity for 70 years. Listen, maybe you love this city, but maybe you feel very much like the Babylonian captives thought. These people of God in this hard land for what feels like forever. I am praying God's word in Jeremiah chapter 29 speaks to you. Here's what it says. Pick it up in verse four of Jeremiah 29. Here's what God's word says. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build your houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare, you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams that they dream for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. We're gonna take a few moments to unpack this scripture specifically for us as exiles here in Las Vegas. But before we do, I want to show you why I believe no matter who you are today, this really, really matters. Here it is. We are all exiles in a world that is not our home. This is not our final destination. Listen, this is true whether or not you are a follower of Jesus. (laughs) You and I, All human beings are just passing through this world. We understand that the moment you take your last breath here on this earth, you will spend forever somewhere. You are just passing through. So as we look at a picture of exiles and how they should act in their land, we are all exiles. But praise God, Hope Church, if you are a follower of Jesus because of what Hebrews chapter 13 says. For this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. Praise God, Hope Church, that right now, you may be struggling in this land. I just wanna encourage the believers that right now are walking through a hard time. This is not your permanent home. One glorious day, we will arrive at the shore of our forever home, which is heaven alongside Jesus, and we will be forever free of all the things that ail us on this earth. This is not our home. We are all exiles. So today, to all the exiles of Hope Church, we're gonna read what Jeremiah says about the exiles and unpack it. So I wanna give us six things out of this passage. Six things, so you better listen quickly. Number one, we love our city by recognizing God's sovereignty. 
This is where we're gonna start because it's very important that you understand God's sovereignty as you seek to love your city. I wanna ask you a question that I just want you to process on your own. Why do you live where you live? In your heart, I want you to think about your neighborhood, your house, your job, your business, your kid's school, the dance classes your kids are a part of, whatever your life looks like. Think of every position and every hobby. Why are those things a reality? Well, you may say, I have the job I have because I went to school for it. I paid a lot of money. I have a resume. I applied and I got the job because of my skill set. Partly. I live in the house I live in because I saved a lot of money and put the down payment on and and it's my dream home or not so my dream home, but I'm here and, and it's because of what I provided, maybe. I signed my kid up for this certain dance class, so that's why we're a part, well, maybe. But I wanna remind you what the Bible says in Jeremiah 29, four that will speak into this. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile. Imagine these people in captivity. They're thinking, the world is so bad. We did so bad. Maybe some people were taking responsibility. Maybe some people were blaming each other. But here's what the Lord God of heaven just said. You are where you are because he put you there. That's very important for us as we look to love our city. You may hate where you are or you may love where you are. We must begin to love our city by recognizing you are where you are for whatever reason, because God in his grace and his kindness put you there. You are where you are because God has a purpose for you. Yes, you have responsibility. Listen, I'm not saying we are robots, but everything in our lives passes through the hands of a sovereign and good God. So your family, your job, your neighborhood, your city, these are not random acts of circumstance, random products of situations. They are the sovereign God of heaven putting you there for a purpose. It's like Acts chapter 17 says, And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the earth, the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling places. What did that just say? You are where you are because God in his mercy and grace and sovereignty put you in those places. So that's a great foundation as we seek to love our city. Here's number two. We love our city by contributing to it. We love our city by contributing to it. Look at verse five. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. There is a a contribution that these people are putting forward in this city. They have to know what's going on in this city in order to contribute. And that's where I want us to see today. The question is, okay, how do we contribute? I believe there are two ways we contribute. Here's the first one, being aware. I believe as followers of Jesus, you and I should be students of the city we live in. The, the, the people in captivity there in Babylon, they could have just hunkered down in their homes because they thought they were just gonna be there for a few years. But if they would have done that, done that, most of them would have died right there in their homes because they would have been hunkering down for 70 years. See, that's not the call of God's people in a city is to just hunker down and wait it out. We are to be 
contributors to what God is doing. And the first part is just to be aware of what's going on in our city. Do you know what's happening in your city? I wanna give us a few things to, to ponder, things that we should care about. And as I say these things, I want you to, to think, do I care about what he just said? My prayer and my challenge would be as you hear these things, they would begin to burden your heart for what's going on, not just around the world. It is happening around the world, but it's also happening across your street. It's also happening downtown right in this very moment. Did you know, and many of you are very familiar with this, that our educational system is very broken. The care for our teachers and schools, we don't wanna see these as Jesus followers, just a broken government system. It should care, we should care and it should burden our hearts that there are these issues because we understand this is not just a socioeconomic issue, this is an issue that affects the next generation of our planet. So as Jesus followers, we should care. We should be burdened about the educational system. We should be burdened about what's happening in the area of sex trafficking. Whether or not you knew this, we should care about the fact that, that Las Vegas has the, the greatest, highest rates of trafficking of human beings per capita in all the United States of America. And it's happening right here in our valley. That should break our hearts, Hope Church. We should seek to do something about that. We should recognize the, the racial turmoil that exists all around us and not just politicize this thing like we like to do, but to see this idea that there are people made in God's image from different cultures that don't look at each other like human beings, but as enemies. We should care about that. That should burden us. The fact that there's homelessness growing seems like more and more every single day in our city. For a variety of reasons, more and more people are finding themselves living on the streets of this city. We should know and care about the fact that our foster care system is overwhelmed. Did you know that there are more kids, specifically teenagers right now in foster care than there are enough homes with licensed foster care parents to take care of them? What I just said is, even if every single licensed foster care person, foster care family took in kids, we would still have kids that didn't have homes because we don't have enough people who are, who are licensed to foster. And then those who are fostering, we should care about coming alongside of many of them who are not connected to a church and who are doing this thing alone. And I can speak from experience. We're not currently fostering, but we did a foster to adopt for our daughter, Aria. And it is a tough situation to be in foster care and adoptive care. So we should come around families as the church to say, we are here for you. You may not have anybody else, but you have a people called Hope Church that wanna love you and serve you. We should care about these things. And here's what I want you to see. All those things that I just said, if we're not careful in the world we live in, we will see these from a politicized lens. Some of us will see these from a liberal lens and think a certain way about what I just shared. Some of us would see these from a conservative lens and, and think a certain way about what I just said. And this is what I want us to be at Hope Church. We don't fit squarely in the liberal camp or the conservative camp because we are kingdom citizens and we don't align with any party. We align with Jesus. So there should be some disruption in us. There should be some disruption in us when it comes to all the, the ideologies of either camp. And if there's not, I would challenge you to remind yourself of your kingdom citizenship because we don't fit in either camp squarely. And so we have to not let the enemy get in our hearts and start to politicize these things, but as kingdom citizens, start to see these things like Jesus would have us see these things. As exiles in this land, we want to be aware of what's going on in our city. But secondly, it's not just being aware, 
It's being active. Being active. Build houses. Plant gardens. These are words of action. Hands of contribution. So this isn't just knowledge that's in your head and your heart. We just read that this is something that must come out of your hands and your feet. It's not just some stuff we talk about up here and keep it in the sky. We, we put it on the ground and we're active participants and contributors to our city. Which leads to a question that I just wanna lovingly put before you. Are you contributing to the welfare of your city? Individually, as a family, as you think about your neighborhood, your community, your job, your kids' sports teams, your, their dance classes, their hobbies, how are you actively contributing to the city of Las Vegas? I believe as we ask those questions, we are going to be led to, to serve a little more, to be hospitable to people that we really sometimes aren't comfortable being hospitable with to be a welcoming place, not only here, but even in your homes and in your neighborhoods to people that, that may not feel welcomed in those environments. I love how a pastor in New York City named John Tyson said it. He, he's in the heart of New York City, and here's what he said. The diversity of the city, socially, politically, culturally, socioeconomically, and racially, has confronted so many stereotypes and prejudices in my heart that I didn't even know existed. I have felt what that just said and maybe you have. He continues, I've sought to model Jesus's hospitality in order to create portals of belonging in a city that often stereotypes out of fear. With a posture of welcome, you never know when one of these portals will open up and grace will break in. This is how we want to see the city. As contributors, we wanna be aware but we wanna be active and saying, God, where are you allowing me to allow portals of grace to bust in to the darkness? Help me not just be okay with how I see these things in my own flesh, but help me have your eyes to see. Here's the third thing. We love our city by investing our families. That's what verse six says. We love our city by investing our families. Now, you, you may think I, I forgot a word. In fact, our, our team thought I did. When I sent these notes for the screen, they, they said, I think you forgot the word in, investing in our families. And yes, praise God, we should invest in our families. But Jeremiah 29, six actually talks about the family itself being the investment. That's what it says there in verse six. It talks about raising up a family, physically growing up a family, multiply there, do not decrease. Now hear me, I'm not saying we all have to have 10 kids, okay? That might've been what they needed to do in Babylon, but I want us to see how are we investing our families? What this is saying is I want your family to be an investment to make the city a better place. So we have to understand that's a big deal for us in the city of Las Vegas. One of the most powerful pictures that God has used over the centuries is the picture of the family. Family is so crucial. It's the building block of society. Nations are made of states and provinces that are made up of cities, that are made up of communities, that are made up of neighborhoods, that are made up of families. See, families are a really, really big deal. Even in the arc of scripture, we are here today because God made a promise to a man named Abraham and his family that he would make his nation a great nation, his family a great nation. 
And our savior, Jesus, came out of that lineage. And so we are here today because of one promise to a family. The family is such a big deal in scripture and yet so diminished and dismissed in our culture. And this is saying, whatever your family may look like, are you investing that family into the city? And I just wanna say to our singles, stats would say up to 60% of our city is single. I understand there are many people here at Hope Church that are single. I want you to hear you are a part of a family. It may not look like the nuclear family, but that's why last week is so important because as you invest here at Hope Church, as you're contributing to Hope Church here as a part of our family, you are a part of a family, even though the enemy would tell you you're not a part of a family. As a single adult, you are a part of a family and the family is Hope Church. So we just wanna encourage you. I had a lady lady at the end of last service just say, The enemy has used that lie in my life so many times, specifically in church, that because I'm single, God can't use me. Don't believe that lie for a second. In fact, Paul the apostle would have some pretty passionate things to say about that. He would talk about the fact that because he's single, he's able to do more ministry. So don't let the enemy fool you. But if you are here today and you are a part of a family that lives in your house, how are you saying, God, My family is not my own. I want to invest us into the city. My wife and I, we have four little kids. So we had to pray about how to do this appropriately. If you have little kids, you have to pray about how to do this appropriately. But the enemy and and the world would tell you, just raise your kids and then maybe you can get involved in some of these things. I would submit to you that it's actually pretty dangerous for us to shield our kids from all the brokenness in the world. Now hear me. You have to be wise in your own family. I'm not saying throw our kids to the wolves and and God will figure it out. I'm saying you, me and my wife homeschool our kids. We understand some convictions and some things that we have, but we are doing our kids a disservice if their whole lives, we shield them from the brokenness that's happening right around the corner from our house and expect them to care about it one day when they grow up. We have to wisely and appropriately show our kids the the brokenness that's going on in our city so that we can show them how Jesus desires to use us to break through and to be a remedy for what's going on in our city. If we ignore the brokenness in front of our kids, they will grow up ignoring it and will one day be adults who ignore it and be the exact opposite of what this text is calling us to do as followers of Jesus, which is to contribute, which is to invest which is to seek the welfare of our city. Listen, if you are blessed today, you should not feel bad about God's blessing on your life. But maybe you should ask the Lord, how can we use your blessings in our lives to be a blessing in this city that so desperately needs you? I don't know what that might look like for you and your family. A couple of years ago, my wife and I began to talk about how we would do this with our kids. At that time, I think our oldest was maybe nine years old and we had down to, I guess, three at the time. And so my wife kind of took it upon herself. She's not in this service. She was in the last service and she began to partner with a really awesome, incredible ministry we have here at Hope, the Love Well, and it's also Goodness Gracious Ministries. Okay, shout out to Love Well. Um, And they do a park outreach at Sunset Park every Wednesday. And it's pretty simple. You feed some homeless folks and you hang out and build relationships in hopes that you can have gospel conversations. So now for a few years, my wife has taken our kids every other week to Sunset Park 
And now my kids are playing board games and cards and riding scooters and, and hanging out with who they call their homeless friends. And I love to see my kids see them, not as sometimes I and the world sees them, but they see them as people made in the image of God who deserve love and laughter and board games. And I'm now seeing my kids minister to me and some of my preconceived notions with what's happening in our city. You have to decide with the Lord, how are we investing our family? How are we saying, God, use us. Use us for your kingdom. But there's a fourth thing. We love our city by seeking its wholeness. It says there in verse seven, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. This word seek, a lot like last week, a lot of action words in this series. This word seek means to continually study, to work for, never giving up. Seeking the welfare of the city is not a passive thing you can do from your living room couch. It is something that is action. It is a working for. Listen, legislation has its place. Politics have their place. But I am passionate about raising up a generation of Jesus followers here at Hope Church who realize that although those things have their place, the only thing that can bring lasting change to the city that God has called us to is the gospel of Jesus Christ and his people bringing that message to a lost and broken world that so need it. Seeking. And here's the truth. And this is not an arrogant statement at all. We literally, as followers of Christ, have the key to the brokenness. We've received it by grace through faith, but we are agents, ambassadors of the only thing that can actually bring healing and wholeness to the city. And so often as even Christians, we're looking to policies and campaigns and other things to do what only we are charged to do. We know this, but I want to remind you, if the church of Jesus Christ, Hope Church, yes, but all of the followers of Jesus in Las Vegas did what we are supposed to do as followers of Jesus and love our city, we wouldn't even need to reach out to the government agencies to do what the church should be doing. So we charging this church, this is who we are. This is what we do. What if we loved our city that way? Truly seeking to see the welfare of the city. And even that word, right? Like that word brings so many negative connotations. That word isn't what we think in our world. That word welfare literally means peace or completeness. It's this idea of shalom. So it's not that we're looking for Las Vegas to just have a little makeover and be a little better for us to live in. No, we're saying, God, we want you to bring your shalom, which means what the world looked like before sin entered it. Now we understand on this side of glory, we will never accomplish that. We just know sin has broken this world forever until Jesus comes back and redeems it. But so many Christians hear that and say, well, it's just pointless anyways. Let's just go do our thing over here. We should be seeking to see that come to fruition, even if we know it can't fully happen. We seek the welfare of the city to do that. I believe we have to make our presence known. <laughs> I love what's happening here. But we don't wanna create a, a secret Christian country club. But we all come here at the 1030 service and then silently get in our cars and drive away and not make any waves in the city. No, I believe the only way this happens is if Jesus through his people starts to make waves in our city and love our city through his people. A guy named Robert Lewis, he wrote a book on this subject about being agents of change, like for real, for real in a city. Here's what he said 
a question that I can't get away from. If your church were taken out of this community tomorrow, would anyone other than its members care or even notice? That's a powerful question. And I desire, our pastors, our team, our church desires for us as a church to be able to say a resounding yes. They would notice. 89183, 89123, 89052, 89044, the zip code I grew up in in Henry Tucky, 89015, and every other zip code in Las Vegas would absolutely notice if Hope Church disappeared because that's how much action Jesus is doing through us as we live out our faith in the city he has called us. I desire that, and I hope you desire that because this is who we are and what we do. It would never work if we just trusted a few professionals to get that job done. In fact, that's not how God designed it. He designed for every follower of Jesus to do this together. Number five, we love our city by praying on its behalf. And pray to the Lord on its behalf, for it's the welfare you will find your welfare. That's pretty simple. And so I just have a simple question that I need you to wrestle with in your own heart. How often? Do you pray over the city of Las Vegas? You're on the 215, stuck in traffic. Turn the music down, even with the kids in the car. And you say, hey guys, what a beautiful skyline view this is right now. Let's just pray over this city because here's what we know. As followers of Jesus, this city belongs to God. He is the God of this city because he's the God of this state and the God of this country and the God of this universe. And so we're asking God, take back what belongs to you, Jesus. We're praying that over our city. How often do you pause from the craziness that is our lives and say, I'm just gonna pray that God would use me in this city. God, do a work in this city. How often, and I hope after today, maybe it becomes more frequent. Do you walk around your neighborhood? Maybe you're walking your dog. Maybe you're walking with your family. Maybe you're by yourself with some worship music in the AirPods and you're looking at each house and you're saying, God, that person was made in your image and they're far from you right now. Would you save that person, God? And here's a dangerous prayer. Use me in whatever way you want to save that person. What if you started asking God, do something in this city, God, and guess what? I'm available. You see that one neighbor who like really needs Jesus. You know that neighbor. And you say, God, save that person. And God, use me if you want to. What if we really started praying that? And here's the deal, believing that God actually will answer our prayers seeing God move. And look at this. For in its welfare, you will find welfare. How good is God? As you get involved in his activity, as you pray on the city, as you contribute and invest, as you get involved in God's activity, God just said he's going to bless you in the process. Praise God. We don't do it for the blessing, but God just said, as you seek favor in the city, you'll receive favor. As you seek to bless the city, you'll be blessed in the process. Why? Because when you get involved in God's activity, that's what happens. So I am praying for our church not to see things on the street and see things on TV and see things around our city and roll our eyes in judgment. What if as followers of Jesus, instead of looking at them in judgment, it drove us to our knees to say, God, do something here and use me however you want. There's a family in our church called the McNulty family. They were in our last service. They started asking those questions when they moved to the city and God answered them in a very surprising and incredible way. 
wants to watch their story. In 2014, we moved to Las Vegas, Nevada from northern Indiana. We had a desire to have our own children, and through years of infertility, we decided it was time to, to dive into foster care. Our initial plan was just to take in a, a baby girl. We get a call from a family friend. Her friend is a nurse at UMC, and there's a, a pair of twins at UMC that needs yeah. to be brought into foster care. We decide uh, we're gonna That's take us. these kids. So <laughs> we felt like there's this God-ordained movement already. And when we went to pick up the twins, that was the first day that we actually got to meet birth mom, uh, Mama Amber. Yeah, we, we felt a, a sense of hope that God had us together for a reason. That night, we, we brought the, the twins home and we began our, our journey. <laughs> After two months of having the kids here in Nevada, the state of California decided, because this is where their mom was from and their birth dad, that they were gonna take them back to California. We, we wrote a letter to the state of California and the judge, and they agreed to let us have the kids. And so. we agreed to bring them every month to visit their birth mom and dad in California. So that really began our relationship with them was just seeing them every month and they started trusting us and opening up to us more. We just look at it, at them as just these precious times where God was with us in those visits. Mm -hmm. um, and it wasn't over, the journey wasn't over. So May 17, 2019, we adopted uh, Maverick and Mia, our twins. And it was up to us if we wanted to keep in touch with the birth parents. So we kept in touch via email and then they got clean and they came to know Jesus. They got baptized, they got pregnant, and were able to have and keep this little baby girl that they have now. They just have a church family that is loving on them so well now in California. And then the story takes an even crazier turn because during the pandemic, we got pregnant. <laughs> I just remember being in church as we're worshiping, just the weight mm -hmm. of all this just hit me. Just that God's been so good, so good to us. Yes. And I remember when we brought home the twins, I had them for about a week and I was sitting on the couch. God gave me a picture of me and Mama Amber standing in a church service worshiping together. Flash forward to just last month, I got a phone call from the twins' birth family and they had said, hey, we would love to come for a weekend in Las Vegas, can we come? And Kyle and I talked about it and we said, yeah, why don't you just come stay at our house? And they decided to come to church with us. And so to see that dream fulfilled, to get to come to Hope Church and stand together, stand by Mama Amber and just be worshiping the Lord. It's beautiful to see that we serve a God who redeems and who restores. The idea of like, you're sitting by people that, according to the world, you have no business yeah. sitting by, but only through the power of God and His Holy Spirit intervening in your life and their life, are you next to each other right now? Mm -hmm. And that's, that's why we're in this yeah. city, you know? We wanna yeah. see God's kingdom come here. Yes. Uniting people that otherwise would never be in contact with each other. At Hope Church, we love our city. We just show some love to the McNulty family. Amazing story. Kyle said in that video, that's why we're in this city. We wanna see God's kingdom come here. That's right in line with how Jesus taught us to pray in Matthew chapter six. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You've heard that verse. Jesus was teaching us how to pray when saying that verse. But I wanna challenge you when you see that, when you read that, maybe you would read it like this in the future. Your kingdom come, your will be done in Las Vegas as it is in 
heaven. And if you really start believing it and you really start embracing that, buckle up because I believe God may lead you to some things like he did the McNulty family. I love them, but they are not the elite superheroes of the church. They are willing servants that said, God, whatever you want. And I believe I'm looking at a whole bunch of people that may be in that same place right now because there's a sixth thing. We love our city by resisting the darkness in it. This is a big deal. I won't read all the verse, but in verses eight and nine, it says things like, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you. It is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them. This is God saying, there's some things going on around you that are lies from the enemy. We can understand that in Las Vegas. We are called Sin City for a reason. And so there's some false prophets right now and some liars and, and people that are, that are propagating sin as if it is helping people and it is not. In the areas that we already discussed today, and I praise God for all the amazing ways we are pushing back the dark in our city. I'm looking right here at Kat and Bob Carmona, who have been serving the homeless population of our city for years and years through Highway to Hope. We praise God for so many Bob and Cats in our church. We have, as, as, as a church, our primary city engagement strategy here, we call it the hub. You've heard about it. We've been promoting it this weekend. And that is my simple response that I'm asking you to consider today. If you're here and you're thinking, I, I'm convinced. I currently am not engaging my city. I'm currently not loving my city in these ways. How do I start? I would just simply invite you, grab one of these brochures on your way out. There's a QR code on the back. You can scan that QR code and all these different ways to serve are gonna pop up. Some are very simple. Some are a little more intense. Some you can do with your families, some not. We tried to be as broad as possible because it is not just for a select few of people. We believe it's for our church to love our city. Jeremiah was writing to people that were being attacked by lies and false prophets propagating things that were not of God. And we are in that same kind of land as exiles. One mom told our team as a part of our motel outreach, which by the way, that's one of the opportunities you have to serve. I've been before. We go to one of those outward facing motels that kind of have the doors on the outside. It's such a beautiful gospel agent picture. We show up, we have, we have a gift bag. We go door to door and knock on these doors just to love people like Jesus. We don't know what we're gonna get when the doors open, but we just tell them we're here with the hub and we wanna know, we want you to know we love you. And is there anything we can pray for you for? Here is a gift. And you'd be amazed to see people made in God's image the way they respond to that, the gospel conversations we've been able to have. That is one way of many, many ways you can serve. But one mom told our team, who's going through a whole bunch of stuff, she told our team, every time you guys come here, it's like the darkness is being pushed out. Exactly. Because that's who we are to be as Jesus followers, not just at motel outreach, but in your kids' schools, in your neighborhoods. As Christians let the Lord live his life through them, we should be places where people say, when you're around, it's like the darkness is being pushed out. We say yes and amen. That is what we desire. So I don't know what your next step is today, Hope Church, but whatever God may be putting on your heart, I pray you take it. And maybe you're here right now and you're thinking about possibly getting involved, but you're gonna wait and see. I will leave you with one statement that I believe is true. 
you will never passively find what you don't actively pursue. So if we just sit back and God just use me this week, and it, we're not gonna passively get involved in all his activities. Some of it needs to be us taking it from our head and our heart and putting it out in our hands and our feet. Maybe it looks like grabbing this brochure. Maybe it looks like reaching out to your small group and saying, how are we gonna love our city this week, guys? Maybe it looks like having a conversation with your family to say, how are we gonna be different on the sports field this week or in the dance class this week? How do we live as lights, of, as followers of Jesus in the midst of the darkness? Whatever God puts on your heart, I pray you would obey and follow him wherever he is leading. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I hope you've seen how great and awesome and good our God is. And I just wanna say to you before I pray, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, we would love to show you from the Bible how you can come to know this good and gracious and powerful God. He's already done everything necessary to save you and forgive you and love you forever. Maybe you just wanna come talk to one of us down here. But followers of Jesus, I want us to respond very simply by asking the Lord, how would you have me respond to this today? And then whatever he says, would you do it? Would you follow him in obedience? Jesus, you are amazing. We're grateful for your word. We're grateful for your challenge on our lives. I pray as we respond now, you would speak and we would listen and obey. We love you, Lord. Thank you for your church. Thank you for your mission. Thank you for this city in Jesus' name.